This is 1 in 44, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. 1 in 44 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and today I am talking with Gavin Jenkins, who is the chair of the University of Alabama at Birmingham Department of Occupational Therapy. Gavin, good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you. Um, and Kevin Spencer, magic therapy designer and magic camp curriculum creator. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Hello. Um, so I'm so excited to talk to you guys. An email about your camp came across my desk, um, I don't know, a week or two ago. And I read through it and I was like, this sounds kind of interesting. Let's learn more about this because of a lot of reasons. A, I work at Anderson Center for Autism. I know that we have some students and also some adults who we serve who really love magic. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, this would be really interesting for people in our circle to kind of know more about this camp exists. And we're going to get into how people can learn more about it um, in a little bit. But also, um, this is one of the best parts about hosting a podcast is that I get to say, yes, I would like to interview and learn more about the connection between an OT a department chair at a university and a magic therapy designer. I need to know all about both of you and what brought you together and, um, and what you all do. So Gavin, why don't we start with you, if you could tell us a little bit about the university and your role there and, and who you are. Well, thank you. Yes. So I'm based at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and it's very important that we say it's at Birmingham. Um, yes. And I am the chair of the Department of Occupational Therapy. I've been an occupational therapist for more than 30 years. Um, and I've worked in the National Health Service in England and the Middle East and the United States for about... 17 years now, and we are a traditional occupational therapy program. You know, we're training young people to be the future occupational therapists. We are a clinical doctorate program, so we're training. Um, and we, we have about 60 students every year in our program, and they all get involved in this magic camp, either in the planning, the delivery, or the research that we conduct in the background. So we, we're not just doing the camp. We're also looking at the protocols that Kevin has developed. And together, we're trying to find some evidence to show how it works and why it works. Wow. And so that's us. That's very cool. Um, we're going to come back to some of the things that you just shared in a second. But let's switch over to Kevin Spencer. Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and um, what you're doing now? Sure. So that title you give me sounds really impressive, doesn't it, Gavin? Magic it's not going to fit on a business card, though, but yeah. <laughs> it's not going to fit on a business card. So I'm a professional magician, uh, over 30 years experience touring the world with one of the largest theatrical touring illusion shows in the United States. My wife and I literally got to see the world. I, I wanted to be a magician since I was five. And I'm one of those, those guys who got to grow up and actually be a magician. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2015, we retired to focus on the work of our nonprofit, which is called Hocus Focus. And Hocus Focus is specifically designed to look at how we can integrate simple little magic tricks into occupational therapy and into education, specifically special education, to help individuals improve the skills that they find challenging in just a much more fun, creative, social way than maybe some of the more traditional forms of therapy. Cool. 
All right. So we're going to draw people's attention to Hocus Focus a couple of times. We're going to check that out. Is there a website, Kevin? Uh, HocusFocusEducation.com. HocusFocusEducation.com. I am a former teacher. I did not teach special education, but I taught third and fourth grade in another lifetime before I came to Anderson. And um, I will say that I think if I had been able to somehow incorporate magic into some of the days that I was teaching, I, I you know, I think I would have made my students' lives uh, just even that much better. So very cool. I think every third and fourth grade teacher needs a magic wand for, for whatever reason they, they should have one. I, I'm right in your back pocket. Take it out whenever you want. I think I, I, I would agree with you on that one. So, um, so Gavin, I want to come back to you and ask, you mentioned that every single one of your 60 or so students, right? You said you was about 60 students. Okay. That every single one participates in some capacity with the magic camp that goes on in the summers. Um, how long has that aspect been going on? Ever since the first camp we did. And how long is that? How many years? So we're on the fifth camp now. So for five years, what is the initial reaction from a student when it's like this is a requirement of the of the of this area of study that you're in? Is it is it surprise? Are people coming to UAB to the OT department partially because they get a chance to be involved in this? What like just curious? No, well, let me. No, I don't think they come because they think it's they're going to get involved in the magic. But I think it's a very unique thing we do. Yeah. And I think, and you know, a little bit of context to that. So our students are required to do clinical rotations. And there are two levels of that. There's level one and there's level two. And level two, we tend to do in a more traditional setting of a, of a hospital or a clinic or, a, or some kind of um, business that's focused on pure kind of occupational therapy. But in their level ones, we try and expose them to a whole range of different experiences that we think enhances their ability to function as a therapist and and interact with people of different abilities and, and age ranges and everything that goes on. And they get to meet Kevin in the fall of the first year. So before camp, we run a well, Kevin runs a, a two hour and it usually goes to about two and a half, three hours because once <laughs> once he gets going, it's there's no stopping him. Um, and so he, you know, he ever since we first met Kevin, he came comes along, comes on campus, runs this workshop, then tells them a little bit about his history and, and the story that got him to this point, and then takes them through this idea of using magic tricks. Um in a very experiential way. And so they've already met Kevin and they've, we've introduced this idea really two semesters at least ahead before we do the camp. Mm-hmm. And so they know it's coming. And this is just one part of that field work. We do a lots of other things that sure. really, you know, we, we just try and mix it up a little bit. But Magic Camp, I can't remember how it evolved out of those workshops, but it, it was kind of one of those light bulb moments where we thought, why don't we try and do this? <laughs> um, and the first year we did it, you know, we started out, we had about seven children in that first year. So trying to get 60 people, 60 students involved with these seven young people um, was challenging. <laughs> but, but that's why I say, you know, there's a lot of prep up front to try and do this. We did it on site live because we weren't, this was pre-pandemic mm-hmm. and we were doing research in the background because again, that's our mission as a program is education 
research and service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we try and do them all. Um, and that, the camp grew, I think, last year we had 49 campers. Wow. Um, grew seven On Zoom. Impressive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which I have so many questions. I don't even know if we're going to have time for all of my questions. But um, in the first half of the show, we have about three minutes left. So I would like to ask, um, Gavin, if just one more thing. And then, Kevin, we're coming full bore back to you in the second half of the show. But, uh-huh. Gavin, can you just explain what um, or, or give an example of the type of research that your, your students are doing when it comes to magic? the correlation between magic and occupational therapy through the camp. Are there certain data points that you're capturing towards a goal? Yeah. So we've done a variety and we published five papers or is it six now, Kevin, I'm losing count because we're doing pretty good on this. Six in November. Yeah. Six. So I think the most notable first one we did, so that we limited who came to camp to children with hemiparesis. So they've, they've lost the use of one side of of their body Mm -hmm. um, for multiple reasons. And we tested their, um, the function of their affected side before camp at the end of camp. And then six weeks later, and we showed in that research that by the end of camp, they were using their affected side more and they retained that usage six weeks out from camp. Wow. So that's a stunning result. That is you know, stunning when, result. You, when you just think that all we did was play games and learn magic tricks with them. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. I have so many, I'm so curious how much of it is physical, um, you know, in terms of the actual, I, I don't mean physical therapy. I know that that's different, but the the physicality of, of the, the magic tricks and doing them, or if there's also a component of, of the way magic might be engaging those, those young people's brains. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough about, um, about uh but really any of it honestly um to to make a guess but i'm just so this this brings my curiosity to life about what you think might be going on there this is where you have to talk to the magician and the gentleman who developed this because all i would be doing is repeating what he would tell you all right this is the brilliance of him the brilliance of him. I love that. That's what we're going to call the second half of the show is the brilliance of him. Um, I, uh, I'm really enjoying this. I think it's great. And I also just can tell that, um, that it must be um, a really sort of um, curiosity inducing and really wonderful learning experience um, to work with both of you, because you both come across as people who love what you do. Um, and, and I'm guessing that it, that adds to the fun of all of it. So um we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Kevin, it's uh, we're going to hear all about why you think that we're seeing results like that, what your favorite parts of this program are, what is your um, motivation for the current work and, and future of all of this. So so get ready. Um, this is 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo. Do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now, 1 in 44 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. 
Welcome back to One in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking with Gavin Jenkins from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Got it right that time. Um, he is the chair of the OT department, as well as Kevin Spencer, who is um, Magic designer what did i call you before um uh you are you are the person that we are going to hear from in terms of your work uh with for the last five years i think you said um or so with the occupational therapy students at uab and your collaboration with gavin here so kevin we just heard before the break some of the um the data outcomes, right? Some of the some of the results of the research that the students are conducting when it comes to Magic Camp and your work, um, you know, with with the students um, and then the young people who are coming to the camp. I would like to understand first of all what is the correlation or connection between Magic and and OT overall in your mind, and how do you bring it to life? <laughs> first of all, I think this collaboration with Gavin and UAB is probably one of the most exciting aspects of the work that I've been doing for the last 20, 25 years, we've been exploring how magic can be beneficial to kids and adolescents with a variety of disabilities for a long time. I think magic works on three different levels. It's about dexterity. You have to be able to manipulate the props in order to do the trick, which is one of the main focus of occupational therapy, getting back to meaningful occupation. How do you do that? You you have to be able to use your hands in some way if that's a, a part of what um, is meaningful for you. So just to dress, being able to button your shirt or zip your pants or buckle your belt. So magic, all of the tricks in the protocol are designed in a way that the skill level can be adapted to a variety of motor abilities. So if they have some difficulties with fine motor or gross motor, we can adapt the skills to those abilities. If they're really good at fine motor or gross motor, then the tricks can be adapted to make them more difficult. So it's all about improving that dexterity. The second thing is about, it's about motivation. Even a child understands that if you're going to get good at something, you have to practice it to do that. And the third element is socialization, which drives the motivation. Magic doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I could teach you a magic trick. And if all you did was sit in your office and do those moves over and over again, but never showed it to anyone, that's not a magic trick. Mm-hmm. You're just doing a series of moves in your office. But when you show that trick to somebody and they go, oh, wait, how did you do that? That's a magic trick. So it's about dexterity. It's about motivation to perform that so that you can show it to somebody. Personally, I think that's the difference in magic and perhaps some of the other creative art forms that are there like music or dance or or, or drama or visual arts, mm-hmm. because there's an expectation that we should know how to do some of those things. There's an expectation that we should be able to sing happy birthday or an expectation that we may be able to draw a birthday card. But if I were to say, let's do a magic trick for your birthday, there's no expectation that you should know how to do a magic trick. So when a child takes on this task of learning a magic trick, it's new and it's exciting. And they've just watched this therapist demonstrate it for them. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? I want to learn that. Mm -hmm. And, And in that process, they're willing to make mistakes along the way because they shouldn't know how to do it. So when they make a mistake, it's expected. It's not like, oh, I did that wrong. It's like, 
oh, I made a mistake. What can I do to fix that the next time I practice that? And of course, every time they're practicing the magic trick, they're working on all of the skills that they find challenging that an occupational therapist would be focused on. Amazing. It makes perfect sense because now I'm thinking of what your what was a time in my life where I saw somebody do magic or um, or I've watched my own children watch magic and, and get mesmerized by it. But the thing that keeps coming to mind is that moment where you're absolutely right. It's not a judgment. It's not taken as like, oh, somehow I it's on me that I didn't figure it out. That's kind of the point is that you're not, it's supposed to be hard to figure out. And that's where you get that moment of like, no, do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> exactly. So, that's cool. I, I from a because my background uh, professionally is is working in the field of autism. Um, also, as you're talking, I'm thinking the, there's like this neon sign in my brain going off all the time saying communication, communication, communication. Um, you touched on so many things in what you just said, Kevin, um, that got me thinking about what we always we do it. Uh, we focus on tremendously here at Anderson because we work primarily with students and adults who either are non-vocal completely and communicate in different ways or are very minimal, minimally vocal and still, you know, often communicate in a variety of ways that are maybe not traditional. It seems to me that magic, you mentioned music and, and dance and, and art. Um, there is a, it's, it's all a form of communication because it's got that back and forth exchange, right? Where Absolutely. Whether it's a traditional expectation or sort of an unexpected expectation, if there is one, um, it's got that component. So I think that's just incredibly cool. And I think one of the things that we've learned over the last five, six years doing camps is that there is a way for a child or an adolescent to communicate through a magic trick without ever using words. Mm -hmm. They don't have to use words. There's so much that happens in their body language, in their expression, in the way they present, and the way they hold their hands, perhaps in the type of music they decide to perform to. All of those elements come into that presentation. And, and what's I think the coolest thing for me is at the end of camp, all of these kids come together and they do a virtual magic show. So they're not just learning the magic tricks. They have this opportunity to perform those tricks mm -hmm. at the end of camp and watching them just the pride and, yeah. you know, the, the, the sense of accomplishment. And I think that's especially important for a child or a young adult an adolescent who has been labeled in some way, mm -hmm. who has, you know, whose expectations may be lower or who we think as a society are not capable of doing the same things that we can do. All of a sudden they're on the stage and they're doing something that you and I can't replicate. And sure. that is such a huge boost to their self-esteem, their self-concept, their motivation. And I think one of the things that we're finding in our research is that transfers over into other areas of their life as well. And they can find that motivation to do maybe those hard things that they weren't motivated to do before. Just fantastic. When I was a teacher, one of my favorite things was, um, was, uh, was when one of my students would, uh, would express interest in, in teaching somebody else how to do something. Um, and I, I, that was sort of my moment of like, okay, success right there, because uh, I think that you, you continue to learn, but you learn it a different way when you actually have to break down the steps and, and show somebody else what you're doing. And also all the things that you said, the sense of pride, confidence, moving from being labeled to saying um, I know how to do this or, uh, and, and also that social component. I think it's all fantastic. I am somewhat amazed that you found a way to do this on zoom. Um, 
<laughs> but but good, good that is because Gavin is rel- that's because Gavin is relentless. He's like, we are going to figure this out. Yeah, well, that's. That- so let me stop right there. I just want to make sure we have enough time to make sure. Where can people go? Um, I don't know how you recruit students to the camp. Um, I don't know how many people you can take, but is there a place where you would want people to go visit to learn more about the, the camp itself, like a website or a social media or anywhere? So really, if they want to know information about the camp, their, their best bet is to contact the lady who does all our administration in the background. Her name is Lauren Edwards, and they can email her at Lauren M-E at UAB.edu and she will share everything about the camp and, and when they're happening and how you sign up and, and, and what we get involved with. And I one thing I want to add, you know, within the camp, you know, as Kevin alluded to, we get the campers to make their magician's hat. We get the campers to build this set for this show. So it's not just the magic trick is the whole idea of this idea of performance mm-hmm. um, and and all the kind of skills and abilities that that we try and develop in there. Oh, and I want to just share a quick story that we do have some of these kind of amazing little moments where we have no idea how it happened, but it happened. Um, but we had one parent came to us at the end of camp um, and their son was um, – by the end of camp, it stopped sucking his thumb, which, you know, we have no idea how it happened. It could just be being, working, focusing on something else, mm-hmm. but it happened. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll take the takeaways. And I always describe this, and, and this is not my term. I read this in, a, in the literature for, out of Australia, this idea of stealth therapy. And I love Ooh, that term. Oh, I love that. Because it just epitomizes what we're doing. These young people have no idea that we're doing therapy. We have no idea. They have no idea that when they go home that evening and they, they're practicing that trick and they're showing it to their brother, their sister, their mother, their neighbor, the dog, whoever yes. they're showing it to, yes. it's carryover of therapy, which is one of the biggest challenges yeah. in therapy. How do you get people to go home and carry on doing the exercises, carry on doing what you're doing? Give them a magic trick. They'll do it. Yeah. And, and it's, again, that's why I think this is, Oh, this is terrible. I'm going to say that's why this is such a magical kind of way of doing therapy. It's okay. Um, <laughs> like-minded. I, I, yeah. I'm jealous that I didn't come up with that one. Day. Great. Um, I love self therapy. That's a great term. I, oh. I'm going to, you know, do my own research there, but I would encourage people to check it out. The story about the sucking, the stopping, sucking the thumb, just as a mom, I, I can say that there are so many times when your kids all of a sudden, they, it's like overnight and then something significant changed. And um, it, it's, 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 you want to know what happened. But it's important also just to take joy in that moment and say something happened. So I, I'm glad you guys are involved in that. I love that you're getting feedback like that from families. Um, we will, we if it's okay, we will add Lauren's email address when we post this so that people can get more information. I do have another question, if I might. I, I have, I don't know, probably no time left. Are there well, can any? Can I say something? Sorry, yes. something? Go ahead. We have expanded who can attend our camp. Okay. We started out with hemiparesis. Now we literally are. You know, children, young people, adults, adolescents, well, no, maybe not adults, but adolescents with disabilities. Right. You know, we have some criteria in terms of their ability to follow instructions and so forth, but really 
come one, come all kind of thing. And, and um, we had a camper last year from London in the UK. We can, we can manage time differences. We can do anything. That's great. All right. So I'll be quiet now. No, no. You answered my question. I was going to ask sort of the range of age um, people who can, who can participate in camp. And, and I just want to also do another shout out for Hocus Focus. Cause I think now that we've heard about you, Kevin, and, and gotten a little background, people should definitely check out Hocus Focus and learn more about your nonprofit. Um, we you. are definitely out of time, but honestly, but Gavin and Kevin, um, UAB and Magic Camp and Hocus Focus, it's all amazing. I love meeting people like you who are doing such innovative work um, and having fun doing it and engaging your communities. And, and also, Gavin, especially, well, both of you, having an impact on the new, uh, the next generation of occupational therapists um, who are going to be joining the professional field. It's, it's just fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of what you do. Thanks for having us. Thank all right, you. this is 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 44, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at this time next weekend.